Well, listen, Chris, thanks for taking the time to do this. I massively appreciate it. First things first, man, how's your day going? Yeah, not too bad. It's all a bit hectic for me at the moment. Um, I'm moving house um, literally tomorrow. Um, that's why I've kind of got the weird background. So, like, literally, boxes, oh, shit. boxes of stuff. So, uh, a little bit stressed out right now. But, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm okay, man. How about yourself? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm doing cool. I'm doing cool. Best it can be in these days, you know. Um, it, it's COVID day after day after day in some way, shape, or form, right? Exactly, man. Just just living, living the COVID dream. That's it. That's it. That's it. Uh, you're moving far. You like moving towns, or you? Um, I mean, well, I live right on the the edge of Birmingham at the moment. So, like, when I say the edge, I mean like if our house now was on the other side of the road, we'd live in Solihull, and we're kind of moving into Solihull. So, when I say we're moving towns, I kind of we kind of are, but also we're not moving that far either. So, good luck with that, man. That's an incredibly stressful time. So, yeah, yeah, completely, yeah. Makes you get an early night tonight, isn't it? Oh well, uh, I'm mean, well. You say that, but I've still got a lot to do. <laughs> so, how you been? Uh, how you been holding up then over the uh, well in the COVID times? The last sort of well, what are we at now? Almost two years. Yeah. So I mean, um, I'm doing pretty well actually. To be fair, like I'm really lucky considering you know everything that's gone on. You know, so many people out there who've you know lost their jobs. So many people out there who've struggled financially. Certain people have gone insane um, just living indoors. Um, you know, I'm really lucky. My job has allowed me to continue to work from home. Um, you know, and even when we've been allowed back in, because um, I'm, I'm a teacher in a college, um, a music college in Birmingham. So, uh, like, I've, when we've been allowed to have the students back in, you know, we've been back in. So, from like September through to January, the, like last year, we were in. Then, obviously, lockdown again in January. March but then since then we've been back into March and aside from you know venues not opening up which is difficult you know working in music education um you know we've been really lucky to be able to kind of keep going um uh like my, my kids have kept me sane as well um I had a uh a, 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 well I have a one-year-old now um so she was born right at sort of the the tail end of like the first real lockdown sort of thing so that was definitely a, an interesting one Oh, but it was a nice opportunity, I suppose, almost to get to spend more time together than you might have had had you been working. Yeah, and there was definitely less stress about it. So, like, the kind of stress is when you kind of just go in places and, you know, particularly when my wife was, like, heavily pregnant towards, uh, you know, the end of, of that pregnancy as well. It was almost, I was talking to someone about this the other day, actually. It's quite weird because when we had our first scan was about March when the first lockdown happened. So you know, we didn't sort of make a huge Facebook account. I'm not a social media guy. I'm not the kind of person to talk about my life. I'll talk about my music and stuff on there. I'll talk about the occasional political opinion. Well, yeah. I tried really hard not to be super political on there. Um, but it was really weird because we didn't make like a big announcement. There were some people that by the time we got to the time she was due, like most people didn't even know wow. because like no one had seen us. So no one had seen like my wife's bump and no close friends knew and I think uh my wife was telling me one of the she was in a meeting she was like oh you know I'm going to be off next week and like, oh, how can we off? like, oh I'm having my second child and they were like sorry what <laughs> this real sort of oh when did that happen you're like oh like back in January but like no one's seen us so no one could tell us oh wow 
Oh, that's amazing. What about its effect then on your musical work? You know, we're talking about the effect on solos, of course, but also yeah. just your own mentality and projects that you might normally be doing. The, the Neelix project exists entirely because of COVID. Um, so, you know, I think when we spoke to you, uh, when we released the Brexrift single, um, we kind of said, you know, we, we were lucky enough to have got in and recorded a few songs before um, the lockdown really happened. So we kind of got those to tease out and then we put the, um, the Negative, Apex, sorry, Negative Apex EP out back in January or February. Um, so we kind of teased those throughout the year. Um, and that kind of allowed solars to keep moving. And we were quite lucky with that. Um, I'm quite an avid writer. Um, like I'll occasionally, I'll, you know, pretty much on a daily basis, pick up my guitar and just riff. And every now and again, I'll, I'll have this idea, be like, oh, that riff, I need to record that. And I'll get my phone out and just create a, you know, really crappy voice note. Um, but I'm quite fortunate at home before, obviously before moving, like I've got like a home studio setup, So I've got, interface and uh logic pro and like a few bits and bobs that I can just record really basic ideas down on and i started sending loads of ideas to the guys yeah um and this was sort of you know sort of march april even sort of may it to through to june and it was kind of frustrating for me to not kind of get anything back and that's no disrespect to those guys at all because you know i'm well aware that i'm very fortunate to have had like access to the hardware and the software but those guys just didn't so when it came to sending ideas they were like we should definitely work on this when we're in the rehearsal room and you know every sort of six weeks there was another announcement and new restrictions and it just kind of got really frustrating for me so i kind of felt like i had to start doing something with with these riffs with these ideas and i was speaking to a really close friend of mine um uh, a guy who used to be in my my first metal band with um really nice guy shout out to ash uh, big love to you mate um, but he really encouraged me to kind of start recording some ideas, recommended a few programs um, I can use for things like drum plugins, because drums were obviously the big one I couldn't really do from home. I'm not a drummer anyway. Um, so I didn't really want to have something that was just guitars and, and bass. And occasionally I, I toyed with a little bit of vocals, but those final ideas never kind of made it into any of the nearly songs. Um, so he kind of recommended a few things. I, I just tried out a few ideas and the drum plugin I use is um, Get Good Drums or DVD, um, which is made by the two of the guys from Periphery. Um, so like they, they use real samples of Matt Halpin samples. Um, there's a, a kit they've got called the P4 kit, which was all just samples they used on on four album. Um, and they just sounded really good. And I was really blown away by how, how good drum software has got. It's scarily real. Like to the point that I could make stuff sound, the only thing, the only reason why I think my early stuff sounded programmed was because I never played around with the program enough to alter like the velocities of the way the drum, the drummer would naturally hit. So it sounded a bit computerized. Um, and I just kind of started laying down a few ideas. Um, and I put together this one song, which I'd had probably about eight years I tried to get it into like three bands and it just no one ever seemed to really kind of dig it so I thought right I'm just going to record this one song I'm going to put the drums on it um I'm not great at mixing but I'm going to give it a go and I just put this song out and it just suddenly seemed to get a bit of a response yeah. um, and that kind of started it and I look back and I kind of think well actually I have COVID to thank for all of it because without the time to do it without the encouragement of sort of friends to do, none of this would have happened. None of the 
the album that that's you know I've recently recorded over the course of this year and the EP that I recorded last year none of it exists without Covid so in a weird way I have Covid to thank. It's taking the positives out of any negative situation it's been an incredibly negative period so the fact that you can you can hold this and say this is what I've done from that period yeah on a personal level is simply phenomenal. Exactly man exactly and it's that idea that I have to I have to do something with music constantly. It's like I always have riffs and ideas, and it was just, you know, on a on a normal sort of week, I'll have like a couple of riffs and a couple of ideas, and I'll maybe sort of listen back to two or three of them and be like, actually, they're a bit naff. And there'll be one or two which I'll then take to band, and that kind of becomes something. But that's because we rehearse every week. Yeah. All of a sudden, when that was taken away, I felt this bank build up and trying to just find something to do with these ideas that I I really liked, and as covid went on it just became more and more frustrating of not knowing when we were going to be back and if we were even going to get back together at all and it was just frustrating for me and i just felt i had to do something with it of course the end result is destinations out on december 10th 2021 i have had the pleasure of listening to this album um and Try not to make you embarrassed, but obviously you already know what I think. I have written a review. It's on the site. I fell in love with this album. It made a very good a night a night shift go a lot bloody quicker. Listening oh, to thank you. Over thank again. you. <laughs> I appreciate it. It sounds really weird, even even after sort of like twelve years of playing in live bands and making music. It sounds really weird when someone kind of looks and says, "I genuinely like your music." It sounds almost like I'm too used to the kind of people kind of giving me like the, the false kind of "Oh, I don't want to hurt your feelings" kind of thing. When someone's someone really likes it i still don't know what to do with that so thank you honestly it means the world it really does no i know i've got the op- i've got to see opposite point of view where it's like i hate praising artists to their face effectively because ob- obviously it could sound insincere or like i'm blowing smoke yeah. up your ass because we're talking so naturally i'm not going to be like oh i hate your album yeah exactly so but it's that kind of like weird thing where you kind of almost have to give people you know that because it's such a personal thing something that people have put you know huge amount of time and effort into and a lot of passion and you know people wouldn't release songs if they didn't believe in them mm. but then when soon you know and i've been there where i've shown someone a song and they've just gone eh, it's all right i guess and you're kind of like what are you on about this is this is a song that i love but it's, it's understanding people have different opinions and kind of accepting that as it kind of goes along with your own opinion as well which can be a difficult minefield to manage sometimes <laughs> It can be, it can be. But like I said, I love Destinations. And one of the things that grabbed me before I even listened to a single note on the record was what what it is effectively based around, which is these five stages of grief. Um, naturally, that's going to have people think and ask the questions about how much of that is personal. Um, is that something you want to talk about? Um, yeah, I'm quite happy to talk about it. Um, basically, at the it was around, coming up to about a year ago, um, so I, I just put out the the Antipex, uh Neelix solo EP. That was the first kind of time I'd done something. I was really riding on the high of it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I started to kind of think of ideas and I've never really had like a, a solid release where I had like a huge concept. And I really wanted to start starting to piece together things that had like a purpose. I didn't want to write just for the sake of writing. I wanted to write with the purpose of a storytelling thing because, um, you know, as we've discussed before, Soul is it is trying to say a narrative without having a voice and that can be quite difficult to get across um so as i was kind of thinking about all of these narratives um and first of all I was going down the political route and the people are assholes and selfish and self-serving and um then i kind of had a massive breakdown at the end of, of last year sort of around 
just after the Christmas holiday, sort of like really late December, like last couple of days of 2020 into 2021. Um, and the breakdown wasn't about, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't about mental health or about anything. It was just, I suddenly became conscious of my own mortality. Um, and to the point when I would be lying in bed sometimes and, you know, suddenly freak out over the fact that one day I'm going to stop breathing and my daughters are going to be there. And like, one of the things I quite liked was the idea that I'm leaving something behind with the music. Um, so I like the idea of, you know, even when I am, uh, you know, dead and gone, my daughters can listen to the music and kind of, even whether they like it or not, they can turn around and say, that was bad. Um, and I'm quite proud of that. And I kind of started to channel this, um, what was essentially a fear of death, um, like to the point when I, I was, I couldn't sleep. Um, I would lie awake till three, four in the morning, just scared to close my eyes because I would then suddenly be like, oh, this is what it's like when you're dead and freaking out about it. Like, I, I just didn't know how to process these emotions and I had no idea where this had come from either. And I started Googling and, and researching a lot into, um, you know, a fear of death. And part of the things that they discussed was facing your own mortality is facing the five stages of grief with yourself. And I quite liked that. And the throwback to that was I, re I got remembered, um, I got reminded of that episode of The Simpsons where Homer eats blowfish and he goes through those five stages of, of grief and has that really fast reaction to it. And I kind of started laughing at that idea, but then kind of started toying with the emotions that came from it. Um, and the first song I actually put together was um, the, not the song Denial, um, which was originally just called um, Scared of Dying because at that point in time, my songs didn't really have, you know, there was no real kind of process to it. I kind of sometimes just sit down in uh, the band's lockup. Um, so I record most of it in Solar's lockup, which we have in Birmingham, which I'm very fortunate to have because it means I can record um, for free, essentially. Um, and I just kind of started writing stuff down and playing riffs and starting off with these, these really quite dark chords that lead into something heavier. And all I kept thinking was every time I come up with the song title it's just first thing that pops into my head um, sometimes it's really funny and inane sometimes it's really serious and that was the first one scared of dying and that's kind of where theme came from because I then explored that denial and then the second song I wrote was anger and because I was trying to find something to do with these emotions I just couldn't figure out sorry excuse me I just couldn't figure out what to do with these emotions. Like we all know death is inevitable, but that wasn't the comfort to me. That that made things worse. That that showed me that my fear was justified. And I just didn't know how to process emotions. And it took me probably until about probably until about the March to really come to terms with the fact that I can close my eyes and go, do you know what? If I die tomorrow, it happens. It is what it is. <laughs> And it took me probably about those, those solid sort of three months of not really sleeping um, and just kind of processing the emotions. Like there wasn't a huge, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I've had no family members die. Um, the last family member had passed away was my granddad when I, when I was 13. So that was, you know, just over 20 years ago. And it's been 20 years since I've had to really process those emotions with exceptions of and stuff like that as well. Um, but you kind of take that as a little bit more of a, a grand happen. So 
the mo I, I just couldn't figure out where these emotions were coming from and I had to channel it into somewhere and it just happened that the songs were the first place I could put my feelings. Um, like I said, I'm not emotive on social media. I didn't really want to reach out to people because it sounds ridiculous when you say, I'm scared of dying, but you know, as far as I'm aware, I'm perfectly healthy. And it sounds kind of, you know, you don't really want to reach out and make yourself sound crazy. And even even to the point when I was online looking at therapists to talk to about my kind of crippling fear. Um, and the first thing that kind of gave me the release was the music. And I appreciate the fact that music is the thing that helps me deal with my emotions, not just playing music, but listening to music helps me deal with my emotions. And it kind of became this vicious cycle of actually playing music helped me and it helped me come to terms with it. So those first two songs um, were written in sort of January and March. And it was by the time I got to March, I realised I was okay with it. It's because I was channeling my emotions in that way. Did that make it then difficult, considering that you, you see, you wrote the first two, Denial and Anger, by March, you felt like you had uh, gotten to a good place mentally. Did that make it more difficult then when it came to doing bargaining, depression and acceptance? Or did it make it easier and going, okay, now I know what the stages are going to be? It was a little bit of both. I think um, having the idea that I knew what the stage was going to be definitely gave me an approach to the music. When I went in to record the, the stuff for Antipex, um, I just went in and riffed until I found a riff that I liked and then kind of recorded it, put a couple of layers on it, kind of just like went down the rabbit hole of trying to find what I found. And sometimes that that come in 10 minutes, sometimes it takes two or three hours of just playing to find something. But with the themes of each song, I always knew how I wanted it to sound. Um, so I always knew depression was going to be a much more somber one. I always knew acceptance was going to be slightly more uplifting. Um, and it's just knowing how to phrase that emotion in song format that I sometimes found difficult. I'll be honest, I think I found bargaining probably the most difficult one to write because it was an interesting one where you've almost got this panic, but it's not trying to be anger. Mm. And that's the one I struggled with the most. Um, but what I would say is when I did find the sort of the thread it was the one that came together the quickest as well. Okay. Considering what your what your story is behind the tracks and the album as a whole, how do you feel then that a person coming into it who has suffered a lot of potential loss and grief in their life on a more personal level, uh, we're talking death and stuff like that, that they will potentially take that aspect from it and hopefully gain comfort from it. Is that something you're quite comfortable with or does it make you kind of nervous? I am a little bit nervous because it's partly how people respond to their own emotions. So like I say, it's, you know, my musical taste may not necessarily match what somebody else likes in general. So my, my way of pressing the emotion is through my own musical taste. So listening into a lot of Russian circles and maybe she will kind of stuff. And when I used to do a lot more running, I used to listen to like certain songs when I'd come to like the last mile because I know it really pumped me and energised me and stuff. Um, so it was about... It was more to do with how I was processing the emotions than more than other people, because I guess when I was writing it, I was being very selfish in this is for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd, I'd never, I mean, I knew I was going to release the songs. I didn't know how long it was going to take. I hadn't really considered until probably just before I was about to put it out, before I said it to yourself, um, how other people will accept these emotions as their own as well. Um, it's definitely something that, I've thought of since then, but I think over the course of writing it, it's not even something that 
entered my thoughts even once. It was just, this is for me, this is entirely cathartic to how I process my emotions. Because when I think of anger, I think of heavy. Yeah. When other people think of anger, it might not be the same as what I think of. So this, this was entirely a, a selfish endeavor from the get-go. Um, and if people can find solace in the emotions that I felt that align with their own, then that's great, man, and I'm happy. But if someone has a huge issue and say that that's not how I process my emotions, then that's that's fine too. And, you know, people are entitled to their opinions. But this, this was a selfish endeavour from day one for me to process my own emotions. And hopefully other people do connect with that on a, on a little basis. Yeah, I would hope that nobody would dare criticise that aspect of it because what if what is most music, if not personal, to the artist, exactly. you know? Exactly, as well. And it comes back to, you know, what we were talking about when we go back to the Brexit single of being very political and uh, we were very we were very mindful that we didn't want to take sides with it because all of a sudden someone disagrees with your opinion, they don't like your band. And as a marketing strategy, it's just not smart. Um, like I'm quite happy to align uh, my own friends with, with those that have similar beliefs. And I've got friends who have got completely opposing beliefs and we get on just fine as long as we, we all act adults about it. You know? yeah. People are entitled to their belief. But when it comes to music, when you speak about something, people will listen to that and go, well, I don't buy into that, so I'm not going to listen to you for that reason. So it is a dangerous game to kind of play. Um, but yeah. Well, I, I'm personally glad that worked out. What, when Do you remember when you decided, okay, this is, well, it is still for you. I want to put it out there to the world. Um, I think probably around September time. Mm. Um, so I'd written four songs at that point in time so i'd had the overture um i always wanted that overture to be representing something that somebody was receiving bad news whether it was their their own death whether it's the death of someone else and that was kind of what it was meant to be it's meant to be like the you know the doctor giving the bad news or the phone call from the, from somebody who you, you've been anticipating i had that i'd had uh denial anger um and bargaining at that point in time i'd even had depression written in a really early format for quite a while um, I just hadn't really got acceptance. It was before acceptance that I was kind of being like, okay, this is this is the idea, but I'm actually going to put this out now. And that was kind of when it kind of hit me that other people will hear this and almost kind of having the story to tell kind of gives me some kind of justification, hopefully allowing them to take me on the journey that I that I wanted them to go on, not necessarily the journey that they want to go on because, you know, you can't listen to, an album about the five stages of grief and just be like, oh, I'll be all happy now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, it's definitely something that I knew I was going to try and take people on a journey, but it kind of hit into the September time when um, Acceptance was the last song that I wrote for it. Um, and it was definitely around the time I sat down to kind of go, well, this is the final piece of the puzzle. And you suddenly think about what you're going to do after that. Because before then, you're like, oh, I've got songs to write. That's going to take you know months, if not years to, to record and mix and master and finding time with you know between solars and working and having a you know two children and a wife and stuff it can be difficult so sometimes like, they take massive breaks and i come back to it um i i never had any idea how soon or late it was ever going to come out um but it was definitely something that i it hit me sort of around the time i started the last song when i was like this is the last one 
that's when it kind of hit me that this is going to be something people can hear. That's starting to feel a bit more real, yeah? Yeah, definitely, man. I'm almost going through the same emotions again, just in, in the anticipation of putting it out. Well, we are. We're, as of the time of recording, we're two days away from release. This, this, excuse me. As you've been doing this for so long, does this time still kind of excite you? Or are you more wary because you know releasing music, it can often be the long game? Um, it's definitely very nervous for me releasing music because, and it comes back to that passion. Um, you know, I'm really happy with the songs. Um, I think for me as a songwriter, these are probably some of the best songs I've, I've written. Mm. Um, I think every song on this album trumps Antipex. Um, and that's not to say that I don't like the songs off that last release. Um, I'm really, really passionate about writing good songs, but I, I always go with, um, Rob Halford's mindset. There was a thing I read about with Rob Halford um, before he released Firepower. Um, and they said, which, you know, just general interview questions. The band's been around for 50 years. They've probably heard it all before. And someone sort of says, you know, what's your favourite Judas Priest album? And he says, the new one. And obviously that sounds very cliche, doesn't it? Everyone's like, oh, of course you've got to say that. That's what you're marketing. But he then says afterwards, if you don't think you're releasing the best music that you ever have, then why are you bothering? And I was a bit like, oh, that, that's what I need. And that's why I spend so long sometimes trying to find those riffs that I connect with um, and trying to learn the mixing process because this whole, this whole thing has been a, a lesson in mixing and mastering for me. Um, like the last um, EP, I didn't master. Um, my friend Ian Todd, um, he, he mastered it and he's, you know, he's so good with the music side of stuff. Even with the mixes and stuff I was doing, I was sending stuff to, to him and uh, my mate Ash. Um, I was sending stuff to them on like a weekly basis. And they were obviously giving me loads of advice on, on mixing. But suddenly getting into that sciencey side of, of the music was definitely an eye-opening experience for me as well. That's incredible. So Neelix has been more than just, just a, a musical output for you. It's also been an incredibly learning experience and more skills picked up along the way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that the biggest thing I've probably taken from doing the project, um, and I learned this definitely during um, the process in between the last EP and this album, um, was I think sometimes I write very similar style riffs. And, you know, when I have a riff and then I take it to the guys in Solars, um, Dave will have a very different idea for what the riff could sound like to what I thought it could be. Jack will have a different idea for the drum beat, that's what I thought it would be, and Andrew will have some different bass ideas. So all of a sudden, my idea becomes its own entity. But when you're left to your own devices and you're left to your own creative process, um, first couple of songs you come out that you're like, yeah, these are really good. And then when you get sort of like five or six songs in, you're kind of like, that sounds a bit similar to some other stuff I was doing. Um, and actually, uh, my mate Ash, um, I, the first song I sent was um, uh, Denial. And there's a, a melody in that that is actually used on Antipex, which I he said he really liked because he, he likes the whole sort of the, the call and wants to previous releases. So I thought, OK, there's something in this here. But it also made me realise that I, I don't want to be a wanted pony. Um, I definitely want to push my own creative boundaries and not just play the, you know, the heavy palm muted open strings. And um, I really want to kind of think about my melodies and stuff that come along with that. Obviously, I want it to be heavy. Um, it's the one thing that Neelix and Solders are definitely separated on is I definitely, I definitely push the metal more than Solders do. Um, and that's not because Solders don't want to push the metal. It's just the styles of music, when they all come together, kind of tear away from the slightly heavier side of things. Whereas 
Um, so for example, Jack doesn't um, use a double kick pedal and stuff like that. So you haven't got that very archetypal slip knot drum feel kind of sound. Whereas this, I definitely lean a lot more into that metal sound. And it's something that I use to kind of step away from Solars in its own right, but still I am a member of Solars. And there, there's riffs in there that you can hear where other songs have kind of stemmed from with that band as well. Because I did wonder, where before I even hit play, I did wonder, obviously, with your Solars work and the fact that it was going to be instrumental as well, had me thinking, OK, how different is this going to be from Solars and how how much um, like space have you put between the two? So you've kind of described it yourself there. I will ask, though, and it's not that I think it was needed. I really bloody don't. But did you ever think, you know what could make this really different? Vocals. Did you ever consider it? Um, a little bit, yeah. Um, not Not a whole lot because um, I like I like I, I like bands that have vocals. I have nothing against bands that have vocals. And I've been in many bands with vocalists and stuff like that. I, I have nothing against them at all, but this was definitely trying to follow that Russian circles um, kind of route a little bit. And one of the bands I came to really sort of getting back in touch with sort of round about the time um, towards having the, uh, the breakdown around Christmas was Port of Luna. Oh yeah, um, and Call Luna, one of those bands that have definitely been on the scene, and I've seen Call at Luna at Art Tangent before, and I remember coming back thinking, yeah, they're good, man, but never really like delving into their sound. Um, and then when I started trying to come up with some of these songs, I actually kind of thought, what if I came up with some of the the Call of Luna kind of style screams? And because I used to be a screamer in a band as well, um, I was like, well, it's something I can do. It's not something I've done recently, and um, it is something I have started to get more back into because I want to try and do some with the Neelix stuff in the future. But it's not something I kind of had the right song for. I think definitely Anger, I tried to find space for it, but it just felt very shoehorned in. And it, it needed for me to, it needed to feel natural. It comes back to that sort of, if you don't put out your best stuff, why bother putting out at all? And every time I put screaming vocals in it just didn't feel needed it felt like the song would, was doing everything it needed to do and other songs i just don't think had a place for it um like depression um i'm not the greatest lyricist in the world and you know my old metal band is testament to that as well um and i just didn't want to try and put really cliche depressive lyrics in there for the sake of it um is it something i'll do in the future yeah i think it will be but it just didn't feel like the thing I needed to do for this project. Oh, no, absolutely. Um, it's one of those where I can't even imagine it with uh, vocals now. But I wanted to ask then, when it, you must be super proud. Because there's one thing that I think I've taken away from Destinations more than anything else is that you have, through instrumental music, managed to portray the feelings that I think most people would get when they read a title. For example, Anger denial and aspects like that and you're thinking okay as you said anger it should sound heavy maybe it's going to be fast maybe it's going to be frantic um even bargaining a certain frantic edge to bargaining where it's almost desperation and stuff like that that's what i kind of feel is what makes destination so special do you well, agree thank, thank, thank you that that means a lot as well because as i say i put a lot of kind of time and thought into crafting some of those those riffs and those, those that feeling as well um, it's definitely something I actually tried really hard to do. Um, there was even a few points when, um, in particular, um, between acceptance and 
bargaining, there was a point when I'd written bargaining and I was writing acceptance. And when I was writing acceptance, because it had that almost like, because it had still had to be heavy because it's still, it's still, it's going to be too much for departure to not be metal when you've had like, you know, five songs of fairly metal kind of sounding riffs. It was a point when I almost kind of had to backtrack and be like, actually, maybe this would be better mm. to be bargaining. Maybe this is kind of trying to channel those emotions a bit more. Um, but I tried to kind of push through and not backtrack um, because I was really happy with bargaining and I was really happy with how it, it turned out in the end. Um, and it was definitely something I, I really put a lot of time and thought into crafting those emotions. So every time, like, for example, like with, uh, with denial, denial is not just the a process of an emotion. It's actually the journey between each emotion as well, which is why the end of denial, they've got some like really heavy stops. Um, at the end of bargaining, it's got that fade out into the soft acoustic guitar, which is kind of meant to be the start of the depression. And it's little bits like that where I'm trying to phase into the emotion, not just say, okay, this is anger, so it's going to be heavy. It's about trying to take that person on that emotion of starting to feel what anger feels like and then what happens at the end of processing that emotion as well. You mentioned The Simpsons uh, earlier on in regards to that uh, Blowfish episode. Do you, ever, do you watch American Dad? Uh, I do, yes. Um, not so much in the last kind of year or two, um, but yeah, I, I, ha I have watched right. many episodes of American Dad. The reason why I bring it up is because, um, similar to how you were thinking that, when I was listening to this, I kept thinking of an American Dad episode uh, where Jeff has been, Jeff Haley's boyfriend was sent away in a spaceship. And there's an episode based around them, Stan and Roger, trying to get her through the five stages of grief as fast as possible so she can be their line judge. Do you know the episode? Have you seen that? Oh, yeah, I, I do have vague memories of that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's the one that I kept going from my head. And it's silly because it's a comedy and it's jokey and all that. But, you know, you just end up thinking of these things. It uh, was quite funny. It reminded me of that. In Yeah, I say, well, even I'm a huge, huge Simpsons fan anyway. So, like, a particular, definitely the first 10 seasons as well are iconic and there's no there's no getting around that um even some of the 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 original titles even when i kind of wrote uh on, on at that point after sort of like denial and anger even when i knew i was kind of writing bargaining and even when i knew i was writing depression they all had dumb names um so like for example like acceptance was originally called um you chose fruit you live with fruit because it's from the episode of The Simpsons when Homer's driving a car with two ice creams and Lisa's got fruit and she's like, do you want me to steer? like, no, you chose fruit, you live with fruit. It's just really dumb titles like that, which obviously we're never going to stick. Um, but it just comes back to like my love of trying to like get things like The Simpsons in, into like everything, which we're never going to kind of be there, but it always comes back to that for me. That's a, that's a new project for the future, Simpsons-related metal. Yeah, well, there is all, there is already a um a band in America called um Oakley Doakley. The Ned Flanders. <laughs> yeah, the Ned Flanders band. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, I think there's definitely a gap in the market there for it once they're splitting up. So once they're done, I'm gonna step into that place and that I'm gonna fill it out with all of the Simpsons themes. That's long term. Then what about short term? Um, the biggest question I've got is because of course, um, the natural inclination is that you'll be busy with Solars as things open up and you've got more going on, that Neelix will effectively be potentially a one and done. What do you think? I mean, I'm not going to put you in the spot no. and say, what are you planning like yeah. right now, but more what are you feeling? No, no, Neelix is going to exist still. Um, it may exist in a slightly shorter 
uh, term, there will be sort of maybe long gaps between. Um, definitely doing an album. Um, this has taken me the better part of nearly a year to kind of do for six songs, which sounds ridiculous. Um, but for me, it's a time thing. And obviously, as solos were getting back together um, and then trying to wait till gigging could happen again, um, we've been writing and we've been still get, getting stuff out. So we've got a whole batch of new songs as well, ready to do something with what, what that's going to be yet. We don't know. We are thinking it's going to be an album. Um, but, you know, the album we wanted before the lockdown. Um, but this is a whole new batch of songs. This is still working. But Neelix is something that I, I need to have more than one outlet. Um, otherwise, I tend to find. And I've done this in the past where you've been in one band and you know, you know, it's like when you go through like a phase of suddenly really loving a band yeah. Um, yeah. and it might be completely different to the last stuff you've listened to. So it might be that, for example, I loved um, Court of Luna um, and I'm back into a love of Court of Luna again recently, actually. Um, but then all of a sudden I'll go back and find, oh, I really love uh, like the Cooper Temple Claws or I'll really go back and love Biffy Clyro and I'll really go back and love these different kind of things. And it, I almost like try and write kind of what I'm listening to a little bit mm. um so I remember with one of my old bands I uh I definitely um try to get my love of Alkaline Trio into hello um, I definitely tried to get my love of Alkaline Trio into one of their songs and it was just didn't work at all yeah. um and it's one of the things that I, I, I found that actually I need to have more than one outlet to try and get all these kind of endeavors kind of out there and uh, the metal kind of stuff you know, Solas does have a metal edge, um, but it's not a metal band. Um, for the the reflection single that came out, um, you know, last year, and the same thing happened when Limbo came out um, a couple of well, a couple of months back now. Um, whenever I try to send it to playlists on Spotify, um, you know, post rock playlists was telling me you know we're too heavy, and then post metal playlists were telling me we're not heavy enough. And it's, yeah, it's like we, we didn't seem to kind of fit in anywhere for a, a period of time. Um, and that's kind of why I needed to have another outlet because I, I do love metal and I do want to do something that's got a bit more of a metal feel to it as well. I'm excited for whatever you do in the future, as always, no matter what you're working on, I'm confident it will be spectacular. But right now, folks, Destinations, you have, as a time recording, two days. Hopefully, the time you see this, you'll be listening to it on whatever you can do. It's going to be released pretty much everything, right? Spotify, Apple, Bank. Uh, actually, I haven't done Spotify or iTunes at that yet. Um, but it's something that I am going to look at doing at um, some point in the new year as well. Um, when originally it was just the, the Antipex EP from last year, I kind of never really wanted to justify the cost that it was going to be. And it's not a huge cost, but I just it was a little bit of a, a glory, uh, self-glorified self endeavour at that point in time. But now we've got this out and I'm really happy with it. It's definitely something I'm going to look at doing and maybe even do a really short run of CDs and stuff like that. At the moment, it's just going to be on Bandcamp up until at least after Christmas. Um, but after Christmas, I'm going to look at other platforms and stuff for it as well. It's the right place for it to be, man, Bandcamp, because that way you're actually buying it and you can help support Chris. Yeah, man. It's, it's going to be up for um, Pay What You Want as well. I'll put all my music up for Pay What You Want because uh, I'm, I'd much rather have, you know, 100 people listen to it and like it and connect with it um rather than just have like 10 people pay me for it because music's you know i'm fortunate enough to have access to the software and the knowledge to do a bit of mixing and mastering myself um that i've been able to keep the cost really low so i don't want to charge for it 
but you find that on Bandcamp, a lot of people will just kind of pay you a couple of quid for it anyway because they 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 want to support the artist as yeah. well. So um, yeah, um, it's going to be up to pay what you want. I'm not expecting anything. People want to to chuck me a couple of quid for it. More than happy to. It helps me keep um, things running a little bit um, in terms of like the costs of, of the stuff that I do do, like the artwork, which. I didn't do the artwork myself. Um, I reached out to a guy on Fiverr, who's my one, um, and he he's done a really good job in both my uh, both my um, EP and album so far. So, yeah, Chris, we'll wrap it up there. We've been going almost forty five minutes. Thank you for taking the time to do this. Thank you very much, Carl. I appreciate your time, mate. Thank you very much for support as well. Thank you very much for watching. You can check us out on gbhbl.com as well as on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. Go to Patreon to help us out over there. That's patreon.com forward slash GBHBL as well as Big Cartel where you can find some of our merchandise. We have a podcast running on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And of course, if you like this video, do us a favour, hit the subscribe button and help the channel grow. Games, horror and heavy metal. What else is life for?